0: Luke chapter number 19, let's go there quickly. Our time is going by quick this morning. We're studying the book of Luke, and of course, uh, we've come now. Jesus is just seven days from going to the cross. He's going to go through a time where his disciples praise him, anticipating a time when he'll be persecuted by the world at large. It's not going to be pretty. He's come to Jerusalem now. He has made his way to Jericho. That's where Zacchaeus was healed. That's where uh, that uh, are saved. Zacchaeus was saved, and then he gave the story about the responsibility to get the gospel. And everyone has been given a talent, an opportunity, a responsibility to wait for our son, for God's son from heaven, and to be witnessing to others. I'm grateful to be a part of a con of a colleagues and and a and a, and a, and a camaraderie of people that are concerned about getting the world the gospel and telling folks about Christ. I, uh, was witnessed, I was talking to a man the other day at a funeral, and he said to me, he goes, you know, he says, I want to tell you a couple things that bless my heart. So one guy from your church one day bought me a Bible, put my name on it, and gave it to me and explained it to me. He goes, that's really impressive. No one's ever done that for me before. I thought, well, that's great. He says, the second thing I want to commend you for is that your buildings, downtown in Hammond, they always look so nice. He said, the sidewalk is nice. I used to walk down the streets when it didn't look so nice. Now, it's everything looks not because you didn't own it, because, because it was businesses and they weren't taking care of it. And you have made that downtown corridor really nice. As a matter of fact, I heard a politician tell me that just yesterday. He said, I really appreciate the way you take care of your buildings. Give others a good opinion of Christ. That's what I would say, and I hope that would be the case. He said, the third thing, he says, I've lived in this community my whole life. He said, the last several years, he said, it's kind of weird, but I'll be pumping gas, and somebody from your church will give me a piece of paper, and will tell me that uh, tell me that God loves me, and I should read it, you know. And he said, "I'm not a Christian yet, but because it always brings me a lot of happiness when people smile and and are nice to me, and they give me a piece of paper, because I just kind of count it like it's a it's kind of like a kiss from God. He's telling me you're going to be okay today. And of course, the man is not saved yet, but." Uh, you know, I just thank God for people that would participate in that way. Thank you for caring for people. You know, there are some people that don't want to hear the gospel. I was talking to a man recently, and Brother Jose, you'll hear him, he'll be, he'll be ordained tonight. And um, But he was telling folks about Christ the other day, and one man, uh, he, he wanted to talk, and he shared the gospel, and he got saved. Another man uh, was just kind of interested in what was going on, and I shared the story to you, but The man that was interested, he had long hair, he had multiple piercings and tattoos, no shirt on at the time. And he kept kind of coming up and looking as he was witnessing to a friend or to someone he didn't even know. But when he got done, Brother Jose was going to go back to his truck and he thought, you know what, I'm going to go talk to that man. He went over and talked to him and the man readily received the information. He was already a Christian. But he said, I'm so messed up because I, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven, but my life is really distorted and away from God. He said, but you know what I was doing while you were talking to that man? I was praying that you would come and talk to me. That you would come and talk to me. And you know, just, it's just amazing. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm going to talk to someone. They won't even listen. You never know what might be going on behind broken people who need the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was praying that you would come talk to me. I wonder how many people in my sphere of influence have prayed that I would talk to them and I didn't do it. The Spirit of God prompted me, but I didn't do it. I want to make sure that I'm obedient. Let's obey every spiritual impulse that God gives us. If God gives us an impulse to do something for him, Let's obey. Let's say, yes, I'll do that. You want me to give to that? I'll do that. You want me to give that person a track? I'll do that. You want me to attend uh, another service of the church? Of tr- I want to do that. Whatever you want me to do, that's what I want to do. Wouldn't that be a, that'd be a game changer, wouldn't it? For all of us, if we would do what God wants us to do. Well, Jesus now is coming down through Bethanage, and that's the that's a kind of a, Beth is, a, is the word for house, and that is a that is a that is a bethanage and then the bethany that's the house of gate of, of of dates they call it and then the next one is the the Bethany is a house of figs and then bethlehem is a house of bread and so when you see beth in the bible beth is house of and the different things have different names and he's coming down through there that's about 2 miles outside the city limits of Jerusalem Bethany is where he would oftentimes resort to visit his friends, Mary, Martha, and their brother, Lazarus. He would spend time with them on the outskirts of Jerusalem when he would come for feast. They seemed to welcome him and be excited about showing hospitality whenever he was there. And so we see that. So Jesus comes there, and he gives his disciples an unusual request. Let's begin in verse number 28, can we please? Luke chapter 19, in verse 28, the Bible says, "...and when he had thus spoken... He went before, according to uh, coming. I'm sorry, ascending up to Jerusalem. Of course, it's a city set on hills. Verse number 29. It came to pass that when he was come nigh to Bethany and Bethany at the mount uh, that is called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, "Go into a village, and the village over against you, on the other side of our area here, in which you're entering in, ye shall find a coat." tied there whereupon, yet never a man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, why do you loose him, thus shall you say unto him. Would you read the rest of the verse with me? Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent their way went their way, and they found even as he had said to them, there was a coat and it was tied up. And as they were loosing the coat, the owners thereof said unto him, Why loose ye the coat? What are you doing? And they said, Lord, the Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus. And they cast their garments upon the coat, and they set Jesus thereon. Kind of an interesting story in the Bible. Once again, the disciples were oftentimes asked to do something they didn't understand. That was not uncommon. Whenever Jesus had a sack lunch and he told the people to make the men to sit down in groups of 50 and 100, we're going to feed everybody. they like, what? Out of a sack lunch? But they didn't accept any arguments in the foxholes of decisions. And by the way, we shouldn't give God an argument in the foxholes of decision. We should do whatever he wants us to do. They may have had questions and they did. And they would sometimes ask him later, Lord, what was going on there? Why did you want this? But not in the moment of decision. But nonetheless, he said, he said I, I want two of you to go, and I want you to go uh, on a city, a little village next to the city. And when you walk in the city, you're going to find a donkey that is tied up to a, to a, a, a hitching post or a, a pole. And I want you to go, and, and I want you to bring him. And if someone asks you what you're doing, just tell them the Lord hath need of him. Of course, now the Lord Jesus had been with them, so he did not probably go and arrange that. But the Spirit of God was working, and and this was prophetic. Uh, And and you look in the book of of, uh, Zechariah, chapter 9, and verse 9, everything that Jesus is doing here is going to be in a plan of the Father. He'd already predicted this. 400 years before this time, it was predicted that Jesus was going to ride on a brand new donkey that's never been ridden before through the city, and he would be lauded as the king. So Jesus did all those things which pleased the Father. And this was already orchestrated. But could you imagine two of the disciples going over there and you see the donkey and it's there. I tell you what, you untie him and I'll just kind of watch out for you. How about that? And one said, no, no, I'll watch out for you. You go on. It would be a modern day carjacking. No, it's a donkey that had been... There. And you know, three things about this donkey that are kind of interesting to me. First of all, if it, was a, if it was a Hebrew donkey and they followed the book of Exodus chapter 13, verse number 13, that whenever you had a donkey or a horse that was born, you would uh, thank the Lord with that and you would offer a lamb as a source of gratitude. Of course, a donkey was far more valuable than a lamb in our agricultural uh, economics. A donkey would be used so many times to be able to help carry the family, carry a cart. Things like but when you got a donkey, you would offer a lamb as a, as, a, uh, as a sacrifice of gratitude. By the way, I think we ought to oftentimes offer to God a sacrifice of gratitude. When he does something for you, give him praise by an offering of sacrifice and say, Lord, I thank you for doing this for me. We would do that when we have children. That's why we have nine children, (laughs) Uh, because every time we get one, we would say, Lord, we want to bring them to church with you. We want to give a special offering of praise and gratitude for letting us bring home a healthy baby. And uh, if we'd get ready to go on vacation, we'd oftentimes, we still do this. If God lets us save up for vacation, we try to save all year long to have a vacation. And we come to the place where we have the money we need. We give a special offering of thanksgiving to God for his provision. He could've, we could have had to done that on a car repair or a broken tooth or a broken arm or something else. And if he gave us enough, we would just say, Lord, thank you. We're going on vacation tomorrow. Here's a special gift of thanksgiving. Well, in the, it was built into the Hebrew uh, law that if you if you got it, if you got a donkey and you're happy about the donkey, will offer a, a a a lamb as a sacrifice. So we find really it, it, the donkey was redeemed by the lamb. He was redeemed donkey. At the time though, he was restrained. He was captive to a pole or to a hitching post, and he couldn't go anywhere. He was purchased and he was owned, but he he was limited. He was ready to be untied. But he not only redeemed, but he was released. He was untied by the messenger and by the people that Jesus sent to him. And then he had to be taken to Jesus, and Jesus got on this donkey that had never, he was new, he had never been ridden before. And he had to be quickly ruled or conquered. I've had the joy to be on horses a few times in my life but I really don't like riding horses who have never been ridden. It's just a little bit hard. Because the horse is not used to having any weight on their back. They don't, they're not used to being told what to do. And you get on them and, and you're, just, you're in for a ride. But this donkey didn't seem to give Jesus a ride. He had already been redeemed. He had been released. And now he was ready to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's a donkey. How about me? How about you? Say, Pastor, you calling me a donkey? Just maybe. Hey, listen. How many of you have had a time and a place when you exchange your wicked sin for the redemption of God's son? Hey, you're redeemed. How many of you have been released from the pain of sin and the price of sin and hell and? given freedom that comes in Jesus. Because when we know the truth, the truth makes us free. You've been released and you have now liberty. You're going to heaven, not going to hell. You have eternal life. You're released to do whatever you want to do. You can serve God or you don't have to serve Him. You can give or you don't have to give. God's not going to stand there and just beat you over the head. He's released you for a purpose, to do something with Him. But if you're going to be productive in what God has called you to do, we see here a plan. And the plan is that that little donkey, let the Lord Jesus use him however he wants to use. him. But he'll have to yield his will. He can't run around in circles. He can't buck and do whatever he wants to do. He's going to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the Lord Jesus asked these disciples, go get that donkey. And when they did, they brought him back. They had in their mind probably Zechariah 9, 9, 2. Hey, Jesus. Now people, disciples came and some of them started taking their their jackets off or their coats off and said, hey, let's make a saddle. I'll put this on top of this so it'll be easy for them to ride. And Jesus, you get on it. And then as they began to make their way to Jerusalem, some of the guys says, I'm taking my jacket off and I'm just going to lay it down right there on before the donkey, like a king or a king or a queen would come through and we would lay our garments down and they could they would just ride on a on a smooth and a and a clean a, a place. And they began to put their clothes down on top and said, you just you take that and, and do that. And boy the, the people who love Jesus, who listen to Jesus, said that's a good I'm gonna do it too. And they began to take palm branches and they began to sing that he is worthy to be praised. That he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords and begin to tell that they, they approved of him. Let's continue our story, if we can, please. You're in Luke chapter 19. And uh, look, if we can, please, And verse number, uh, verse number 37, and when he was come nigh, even now to the descent of the Mount of Olives, and those of you who've been to Israel remember that Mount of Olives it was pitched high in the Valley of Kedron between there and Jerusalem, and the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise. And with a loud voice for all their mighty works that they had seen, verse number 38, saying, would you read it with me? Blessed the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and It sounds like something we heard when Jesus was born. That was 33 years earlier than that. Now it's 33 years later and he's getting ready to die. But here's a week of praise. Here's a time of praise. And they bring him through and they're taking their, their jackets off and they're laying them down as the little donkey goes over top of them with Jesus being, uh, ruled, on the, being ruled by Jesus on the back as he comes into the, the city. And down the area, they're, they're excited and they're praising the Lord. You know, as I see in this passage of Scripture, I see several things. One, I see, I see a plan that the Lord has. For his people, for his disciples, and for a little donkey. And if God has a plan for a donkey, he has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. I see prophecy here. What happens here is exactly what God said would happen 400 years before it happened. I also see praise here. You know, I, I would just encourage you, friend, to evaluate how much time and effort and energy do you put into Praise. Some of you dear people, you're not bad people, but you can't stand the music service of a church. You don't like it. I want to ask you, why don't you like it? The Bible says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. Come before his presence with, you know, it's amazing to me, people who who have a hard time coming in here for the music, they don't like the music, but they like music. They like Merle Haggard. They have no they have no problem with ACDC. They have no they got music that, that are genres that they like, but all of a sudden you come into a church and hey, 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 hey. they'll come in even late just to miss it. Just so I just want to come, just hear the word. All that singing stuff. Let me just tell you something. Praise is a heavenly occurrence. And I think you and I ought to, we ought to draw a circle around ourselves and say, God, bring praise to the circle. We ought to praise Him. Like the psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. What's in your mouth? Is it cursing? Is it complaining? Is it griping? Is it criticism? You got something to say about everybody? Every situation? Nothing makes you happy? The grandkids know it, grandmas, watch it. Do I talk to dad today or not? Do I pucker or duck? Do I hug or hide? you know how dad's going to be? Your brothers, your sisters, are you gracious in your words? Are you kind in your words? Are you praiseful in your words? Do you lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is he just a cuss word you say or is he, uh, are you careful with his name? I was listening to a couple Christians recently, and just their language was so embarrassing. Saying things that they just shouldn't say in any way. Texting things they should never text. Oh, praise here. They, They praised him. The people that were closest to Jesus, they praised him at this time. And they were his disciples. But as he comes into the city, he is approached by the religious Pharisees, and they can't stand him. He came into his own, the Jewish uh, hierarchy, and his own received him not. And they come into him, they say, Hey, tell your guys to shut up. They should not be saying that about you. What? They're saying like you're the king of kings. You should stop them. You know better than that. Oh, well, He knew better than that, all right. But he said, You know what? If they stop, if they stop praising God can get the rocks to talk about it. There's a twofold part about that. Not only the rocks is talking about if God wants rocks to talk, he can make it happen. But oftentimes, the Jewish people had such animosity toward the Gentiles, they would would say they're just like a common rock. Some people say just like a common rock. You know, the truth of the matter is, uh, the Jews may have not accepted him, and some have done that. We have Jewish people in the room this morning who have come to know Christ as Messianic Jews. But may I tell you, most people who worship Jesus are now Gentile people. Common rocks that they would refer to, their worship. He said, if they don't do it, if my own people don't do it, God can get rocks to do it. Whether you think it's common rocks of the Gentiles or just rocks on the side of the road, they can praise the name of the Lord. Let's look at another thought real quickly. Our time is going by. I want to take another four minutes. Would you listen to me if you would please? And let's look at we can please the further verse, verse 41. And when he was come near, he beheld the city, and he wept over it. As he was coming there, and you, those of you, how many have gone to Israel before? You've gone to Israel. You know the Mount of Olives there, and that's that Kedron Valley coming underneath there and then going up into the city. You can see the Lord Jesus started there, and he's coming down through that area. And as, he, as he comes to closer to the city, he can see Israel. He can see the, the city of Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is a special place, and it will have special uh, significance throughout uh, our lifetime and in the lifetime to come. We see that very clearly in the Scriptures. But Jesus is not just the city, but it's the inhabitants there. Let's see what Jesus says about it in verse number 42, saying, He wept over the city, He wept over the people, wept over the circumstances. If thou hadst known, even thou, at least this thy day, the things which belong unto thy what? Peace. But now are hid from thine eyes. He said, if you guys could just see, by the way, who is Jesus? Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. He's the prince of peace. Peace is coming into their town and they don't want him. I wonder how many people in our day and time, maybe even in this room, you're not at peace. You know it and God knows it. Your family knows it. You don't have peace. And you could have it in the person of Jesus. Many people I work, we work with, we live around, they are tore up. And they want peace, but they don't have it because they're not willing to accept the lowly Jesus. And he cried. He wept. He wept as he thought about them. He said, you know what? You've got peace in your midst, but you won't accept it. Your eyes are blinded to that. Let's look at the next thought real quickly, and I want to culminate in verse number 44 in just a moment. Verse 43, the Bible says, And the days shall come upon thee, and thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee around about, and keep thee in every side. This is exactly what would happen in A.D. 70 when Rome would conquer Israel, and they would dig trenches because it wasn't a city by a river like normal cities were. Its water sources are far off and they began to trench underneath it, and they would conquer the city greatly in A.D. 70. Now look in Titus, verse 44. And shall lay by thee even with the ground and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave thee one stone upon another. He said this, this whole town's going to be put down one rock, one, put one rock upon another rock, or another brick upon another brick. Because, I want you to read the rest of verse 44 with me. Because thou knewest not the time he said, you didn't know what was happening, the time of God's visitation. If I, if I thought about this passage Scripture, one of the things that arrested my heart in preparation for this talk today, in this message, and this preaching, was knowing what time it is, what God is doing in our individual lives. Some of you, you need to be saved. You're not saved. You're not a bad person, maybe, compared to other people, but you're a sinner and you need a Savior in Jesus Christ. And God is visiting you. Some of you, God is trying to deal with you about sin, about responsibility, about a calling He has for you, something He wants you to do. But I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss the visitation of God. Matter The Bible tells us, to work hard for, our, for our, uh, our boss and our coworkers because one day God's going to visit them. Ladies, how you take care of your house, how you submit to your husband, how you mother your children, how you conduct yourself with your Facebook and your social media and your, and your attitude, it has a very profound effect on how people will receive the gospel when God visits them. But he said, this is so, it broke the heart of Jesus because he knew what was going to happen to Jerusalem. He knows the future. But he also said, you know what? I'm disappointed because you don't get it. You missed the importance of your day of visitation. Now, I don't know how that sets with you. But can I just say to you, God is speaking today and he'll be speaking to you. He wants to visit you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to, to control. He wants to be uh, the ruler of our lives. And he'll visit us. But will we get the day of his day? I wonder how many people have missed. Sometimes when I'm teaching in college, I'll say to people this right here. You've got to keep preparing. In sign language, this is P. Now I'll tell them, listen, throughout your life, don't stop preparing. Don't stop being passionate. Keep on being prepared. Prepare yourself, prepare yourself for your spouse, prepare yourself for your, for your future work. Don't quit preparing, study, stay in school the rest of your life. Because there is an opportunity, this is old, there's an opportunity coming for each of us in our future. And God wants you to prepare and keep preparing because when opportunity comes, you want it to come at the right time. Here's what happens sometimes. People Prepare. And then they get tired of preparing. They get tired of being faithful. They don't do the right thing the right way for the right reason. They, don't, they stop. But opportunity keeps coming. Keeps coming. And their day of visitation, they miss it because they stop being faithful. They stop doing what God wants to do. They got weary in well-doing. And they miss their day of visitation and opportunity them by. Listen, God's speaking. Some of you, you need to be saved today. You're in the balcony. You're on the main floor. You're not sure if you died today to go to heaven. Today, let today be the day of salvation. Some of us, we're just running around our life, chasing our tail, trying to get stuff, trying to do what we want to do, and we're not doing what God wants us to do. Let's be faithful to say yes to the Lord, whatever he wants for us. If we're redeemed and we've been made free, then let us let him rule our life like that little donkey. At the same time, we ought to have a house of praise inside of our hearts. We ought to know the Prince of Peace. and We ought to know that He is the one who has visited you and I at different points of our life for His purposes. Let's be sensitive to Him. Let's pray together. Can we?